Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. And uh, we are in the uh, seventh part of our classics series where we've been tracking through some of the Old Testament stories, some of the classic stories. If you grew up in Sunday school, uh, these are stories you know. These are things you're familiar with. If you're newer to church, these are stories you're probably not familiar with. These are places you've not been accustomed to to hearing about because um, church these days, and us included, we tend to camp in the New Testament a lot, and we can kind of be biblically illiterate a little bit and not fully understand. And these, these stories are, are vibrant and alive. And we've been kind of looking through them and really enjoying. I've been enjoying this, <clears throat> tracking through this. And so if you've got your version app, you've got your bulletin we handed you, uh, this is kind of where we're going to jump off with. And today we're looking at the life <clears throat> of Rebecca. And so <clears throat> the life of Rebecca shows us what it means to know God better and to trust Him more. And here in Hebrews 12, 1, uh, we keep launching from this spot that therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So praise God that that the, the weight of sin has been destroyed by Jesus. It is it has been, death has been defeated. But sin, things that don't line up with love, with who God is, they can still entangle us. They can still mess us up. They can still hinder us in our race. And we've got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of saying, okay, the, the Holy Spirit saying, this is unhealthy and, and you need to stay away from this and, and we need to deal with that. And one of the things that, that lets us throw off the things that ensnare us and entangle us and all those different things is hearing the voices of those who've gone before us. Talk about the faithfulness of God because every time we get entrapped in something, it's where we're leaning on ourselves and still leaning on God. On one way or another, we are trying to go our own way instead of trusting God. And we need to listen to the voices of those who've gone before us, these, these people that we're looking at, these classic stories who, who, who tell of the, the, the tales of God's faithfulness. Um, one of my favorite things to do when all my family gets together is to just hear the stories. And so hear the, the, the grandpa stories and great-grandpa stories. And, and I love all of those stories. And a few years back, we were at my, my dad's mom's house. And, and we were sitting around, and my dad and his brothers were, all, were sharing stories and talking about it. And my, my grandfather was a big outdoorsman, a big a, a adventure guy. He hunted everything, fished everything, and they just went all sorts of places and and um, had lots of cool stories. So Carson, uh, our youngest son, was sitting there just drinking it all in and listening to the stories. And when the two of us got alone, he's like, Dad, hearing all that, he said, I, I just want to go do it. I just want to go fish there. I want to go hunt there. I want to go do those things. And, and going through the, the stories of God's faithfulness, it ought to light that same kind of fire in us that we go, you know what? I want to live that kind of, of life. I don't want to live a timid life in Christ. I want to I be able to trust God in, in, the, in the fiery place and know he's going to be the, the, the fourth one in the fire. I want to trust God when he asked me to step out and to, to, to go a new route and to leave everything I've ever known and to trust him. I want to do those things. And these stories 
these classic stories, they enable us to do that. And as we're about to look at Rebecca, Rebecca, there's not a lot of narrative about her. We, can, we read chapters and chapters about Joseph, and, and we should read chapters and chapters about David, and chapters and chapters about Abraham. And there's not a whole lot about Rebecca. And so we get some little Rebecca moments, but we don't, there's not a whole lot about her. And she gets introduced to us. Um, in Genesis chapter 24, and we're about to look at that story, but when we, the, the big moment with her is this place of gracious generosity, and so if you're looking at your notes, that gracious generosity demonstrates, it demonstrates the grace of God. And I want to say gracious generosity because we want to go and, and, and be kind with people and, and be giving and loving, but we've got to do it with grace. And when, there's, when, when something's graciously done, then it is, is showing the grace and the love of God. It's like dripping with this God flavor to it. And, and you've had people reluctantly take care of you. You've had the waiter or the waitress come up to your table and you could tell they were ready for a break. And so they were not happy to be standing there asking you what you were drinking. They were asking you. They were going to get it, um, but they were not happy about it. And so and you've also had someone who shows up at your table side, and they're happy you're there. And they're ready to do it. And, and your needs, and they're anticipating it. And your glass never gets more than a, a quarter empty, and they're topping it off. And, and there's just this, this gracious service that's there. And it's not always easy um, the uh, recently, Cutie and I have been doing some home remodel and doing some stuff to to our house. Our house turned a hundred this year, so it needs some work, and so we've been chipping away at it. But it's a hundred-year-old house, and so it needs some stuff along the way. We've been decided to tackle the kitchen, and so we've been doing this, and and we had to pull everything out and rip cabinets out and do all this stuff. And we've been living out of boxes. We've got a bunch of our stuff. We're like, where's the cereal? And you go through the living room and you're finding it in boxes. And, and so it's, this has been a drawn out period of time for us this summer. And so we finally got to go to get the cabinets. And we went to a store in San Antonio. We don't have this big store here that is a maze that's blue and yellow. And I'm not going to say its name. And... Um, and so we went to that store in San Antonio. It just opened in February. I'm not going to say its name. And, um, and so we go there and had done the online design, get order the cabinets. They have to get all of the pieces together from the back. We wait and wait and wait, and they get them and load them up in the trailer, get back to San Angelo. I get up the next morning to start putting it all together, and, and I'm missing pieces. And I'm missing a lot of pieces. I'm missing like a cabinet and a bunch of doors and a bunch of drawers. I'm missing 20 pieces. And I'm like, how on earth did this happen? So I'm frustrated. And it's not, not like running back to Lowe's. This is San Antonio. This is a long way. So I'm like, I'm going to call the, figure out how to get this thing started. So I call. And um, a couple of months ago, maybe a year ago, I preached a message to y'all. Um, I'm sorry I preached that. Um, and so uh, let's just act like that one didn't happen. And so not really. But I preached about that, you know, just being, just being kind and kindness. And, 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 and in particular, with, with people on the phone, with telemarketers, you know, that, that they're just trying to make rent. They're not, they don't hate you. They're not trying to run your dinner. Be patient with them. And so um, anyways, that message was echoing in my ears as I'm trying to talk 
to this somebody. And I call the number to talk to somebody, and it says, I go through all this. I should have just done this right from the beginning. If you need this, dial three. Three? You know, and all the way, I finally get through three layers, and it says, uh, we're experiencing unusually high call volumes. Please call back. Click. I'm like, okay, freak deal. Call back in five minutes, same thing. Call back 30 minutes, same thing. Call back. And I'm never asking for a, leave a callback number. Leave a message. Nothing. I'm just hanging in the wind here. Ooh, I'll get them online. We will respond to you on, on our email in 48 to 72 hours. Are you serious? And so finally, after three days, they experienced unusually high call volume for three days. Everyone was on vacation, I think. Everyone went back to Europe and so and, 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 and ate their meatballs over there. And so and they were all on vacation. And so I'm sitting there, and I finally get a human voice on Tuesday. And I, I sounded like the creepiest person ever uh, when this lady finally answers. Because here's what I tell her. I'm like, she's like, hello, this is so, you know, so-and-so with you know, this business. And I said, it is so good to hear your voice. <laughs> and that's what she hears from me. She's like, creepo, unusually high call volume. And so, and, uh, and so, and she just, just I was like, I've been trying to talk to someone for three days, and I'm just so thankful to talk to you. And, and so I began to lay out my information, and everything within me wanted to just, this poor lady, it wasn't her fault, she didn't do it, but everything just wanted me to just vomit all my upsetness all over her and that message. And so I was just trying to be generous, and the gracious part was hard. And so, praise God, she was sweet, she took care of me, everything's getting fixed. But there are these moments where just trying to be kind feels like it's all you can do. And then you want me to add some graciousness to my kindness? Um, yeah, yeah, let's do that. And so, um, so we're going to look at Genesis chapter 24, and we're going to see this amazing act that takes place in Rebecca's life. Genesis chapter 24, little backstory. Abraham, we've talked about him. He was believing for a child. God gave him a promise. You're going to have kids. They're going to be more than the stars of the sky, the sands of the sea. They finally have a kid in their old age. It's a miracle. They have Isaac. They have a kid. Stars of the sky, sand of the sea. Isaac is going to have to be a busy guy. He's going to have to have some babies. And he's going to have to mature, get ready for that, and find a honey. And so he's finally there. They're ready to have some grandkids. They, Isaac had the biggest where are the grandbabies pressure ever that any human ever had. And so, and so Abraham decides he's going to get his servant um, to go back to homeland because they were living in a place that served foreign gods. He's like, I don't want that in our family go back to, my, to our homeland and find a bride for, uh, for Isaac. I know it creeps us out. Arranged marriage is weird. But folks, Match.com is really close. So <laughs> we're, we're dancing with that, with that partner again for some reason. And so, and, um, but anyways, the, so there's the arranged marriage thing. And so, so Eleazar is having to go and pick a girl for Isaac. And we catch him, and thankfully, he decides, this is a big responsibility. 
I probably ought to pray about this. And so we pick up in verse 12. It says, And then he prayed, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, uh, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be when I say to a girl, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. I'm just going to ask for a drink. Um, that she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one that you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And before he had finished praying, Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder. So here it is. He's just hadn't even finished praying. He's opening his eyes as he's saying amen. And there's Rebecca. There she is. And she's got a water jar. And so uh, he, now he has his camel he, ro- he rode on and nine camels of stuff for the bride's family. Because he's going to get a bride. And he's, going, they're going, they're, he's got gifts with him to go get this bride. And he's got nine camels. There's ten camels. Ten camels. And he's like, I'm gonna, I need this to go down this way. I'm going to say, uh, will you give me a drink of water? And she's just going to volunteer to water and take care of the camels. And so sure enough, verse 19, and after uh, she had given him a drink, she said, I'll, <clears throat> I'll draw water for your camels too until they've had enough to drink. And so she quickly emptied her water jar into the, into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water and drew enough for all his camels. And she just kept repeating this. Okay, now I'm not a camel expert. We don't do camels out here in West Texas. Um, and so we don't know a lot. So I had to do a little research, okay? The average camel, and just a normal size camel, can drink 30 to 40 gallons of water at a time. The big, big camels drink, drink 50 gallons of water. Folks, that's a lot of water. Now, and they've just come from a long journey. So these are probably some pretty thirsty camels. But just for our calculations, we're going to act like that they're not full camel thirsty. They're just like a little camel thirsty. Okay? And, and they, all she's got to do is kind of top them off. They're not empty. She's going to top them off. Okay? And so it's going to be like 20 gallons and so, and so per camel. And so we can all do this math. You know, we remember you know, 20 times 10 and you put the zero at the end and we got 200 gallons of water. So this girl's got to carry two, go to the spring, go to the trough, carry 200 gallons of water. Now, she's got a jar on her, on her shoulder that she is going to do this with. Now, Rebecca obviously had some guns, man. She was like solid. She was totally into all the, the, the CrossFit, the stuff. And, and so and she agrees to do this thing. She's like, I'm going to water this camel. So we do this, and it, let's say she's got a clay pot. We're going to be super generous that she is. Like, she's got some guns, and she can carry five gallons of water at a time. Five gallons of water. Forty pounds just for the water, not including the clay jar that would carry it. So, man, she is working out. So she decides she's going to do this. Man, she gets her Fitbit lit up. She's ready. She's stretching. She's got her pulse going. She's got her headband on. Man, she is sitting there hitting it, and she is getting the water and going as fast as she can. If she's going to do this 200 gallons of water, five gallons at a time, 40 trips at a time, if she is cranking it, 
Man, she got the Zumba music going. She turned off the bass. She's busting it. She's got three minutes per trip to fill it up, carry it over, dump it out. She takes three minutes per trip. This is 120 minutes. Out of her day, she did not have planned to serve this guy she never met in her life. He asked for a drink of water. You're like, yeah, I'll do that. And I'll water your camels too. Now, we, uh, we have a sweet society now. You know, there's lots of places you go and they have the little water bottle for your puppy. And you can go to Starbucks and order and they see your little purse dog and give you a puppuccino. And, you know, you have a little lick the little stuff. This is not just a little easy little squirt some foam in a cup and give it to the dog. This is two hours of hauling water in the desert to serve this. This is some crazy, radical willingness to serve. She does this. And she does it so freely and so willingly. And so verse 21, it says, Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. Man, he is hardcore, man. I'm telling you, I, the, he prayed the prayer. He's like, if she offers to do it, I'd have said, she offered to do it. Bam, this is the girl. We found it. Let's, let's move on with this. No, he sits back and watches her. Doesn't help. Watches her. This is the biggest woman make me a sandwich ever. And she does it. And sits there and he just watches. Watches her take care and do this. And, and watches to see. If, his, if the Lord had made his journey successful, it says, and when the camels had finished drinking, they're done. They're just all full up. The man took out a gold nose ring weighing a becca and two gold bracelets weighing 10 shekels. Now, this, we read over this real fast. This will sound like a little grab bag from Claire's full of stuff. Oh, thank you. And so... And, uh, but no, this is a gold nose ring. And don't think you're so thug. Jesus' great, 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 great grandma wore a nose ring. Yeah. Nose ring, man, you're not that thug with a nose ring, okay? They're, they're, they've been around a long time. And so, so he's got the, got the nose ring, got the stuff, and got put the two bracelets on. These two gold bracelets. This is, uh, we put this into grams. This is 308 grams of gold. We go by Friday's spot price. This is right at $14,000 in our money gold. He just drops on this lady. He's like, bam, here you go. And she's like, all right. Sees those nine camel loads. Like, and then he hits her up with the very next question. He said, then he asked, whose daughter are you? Please tell me, is there any room in your father's house for us to spend the night? Here was this amazing act of generosity, this gracious act of serving, just going above and beyond. It just was it's an insane amount. That wasn't on her plan. That wasn't on her agenda. She wasn't there hauling water for tips. She was there with her own stuff and got asked by a stranger and was willing to do this. And his response, his response was the very first ever, ever written, who's your daddy? <laughs> like, who is your father? I've got to meet this man. Is there any room in his house? We want to stay there. Folks, I'm here to tell you that when we begin to willingly serve, not just take care of people, but graciously 
serve people, going above and beyond. All of a sudden, you know who gets the glory for that? Our Heavenly Father gets the glory for that. They're like, that is so different. That is so weird. Nobody acts that way. Who? Who's your father? Who's caring for you? Who is, who's the one that, that, whose household you came out of? And is there room for me? And folks, you and I, we get to respond like Jesus in our Father's house. There's many rooms. There's room for all of us. When we, people begin to see, instead of us taking care of ourselves and watching our own behind, but we serve so graciously and go above and beyond, our Heavenly Father gets the glory. And people are like, I've got to know more about this. It changes everything. So as we look at this, there's some takeaways for us to see this amazing moment with Rebecca. And the first one is, is that you can't be generous and selfish at the same time. You can't be. You can't be generous and selfish. You can't be reluctantly doing it. She was not sitting there saying, okay, well, you know, I'll fit this in. I, I think I can squeeze five minutes worth. You know, come on, camel, you're drinking so slow. Come on. You know, and, and she's not doing that. She's just I'm going to do this, whatever it takes. And she just was doing it. You cannot be generous and selfish at the same time. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God's able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, <clears throat> at all times, having all that you need, you may abound to every good work. We have to be True generosity, there's, there's no selfishness, what's in this for me. There ended up being some amazing things in it for Rebecca. But that wasn't her question to him. Will you give me a drink of water? Well, what's in it for me? She just did it. She just did it. Ended up being a lot of stuff in it for her. But it was unleashed, unleashed on the other side of a radical, generous act of service. The next thing is that you can't walk the second mile until you've walked the first and any, if you, any place, if you work someplace and your employer or your boss or maybe you have a business and you tell this to your employees and you say, well, hey, you know, we got to go the extra mile. we got to go the extra mile. Anybody, any place where it's quoted, let's go the second mile, let's go the extra mile. Every time they're quoting Jesus. It comes from Jesus. But you have to be able to go the First mile to go the second mile. Let's look at what Jesus said in Matthew 5. It says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you. Do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow you. Now, this graded the everlasting nerve of these people who were listening to Jesus speak. Because he's speaking to, the, to a Jewish audience. They're in Israel, but it is an occupied Israel. Rome has occupied it. In this phrase, what Jesus is talking about is Rome had a rule across all of Rome. And so because they were huge and they had these dominated peoples, and any of those Roman soldiers had the right to go to any of their uh, dominated people, so it would be the Jews there, and say, I need you to carry my load for a mile. And they had no choice. You'd be going about doing your business you're sitting there shopping at H-E-B, and somebody says, this is too heavy. Go load it in my pickup. And you have to do it. We're moving this uh, piano from downstairs to upstairs. I need you to move it. You have no choice. You have no choice. You, you, they could make you go one mile, and then they could find somebody else to go another mile. But you, you had no choice. So here he is telling them something and referencing something they loathed. They hated. It was a reminder 
that they were living in the land that God had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and yet they weren't free to do as they wanted to do. And they hated this. And Jesus all of a sudden turns this, this thing that was an act of oppression, this thing was an act of bondage, and has now turned to what you and I understand as this beautiful act of service, an act of grace, of going the second mile. If anybody forces you to go to one mile, go with them too. Go with them too. Why? Because at that point, it's not you being forced to do anything. It's you graciously giving it. Nobody can take something from you. You freely give them. Nobody can. Nobody can take something from you. All of a sudden, now you're the empowered one. That's the beautiful thing is everybody thinks that that grace and love is somehow this weak thing. It's not. It is powerful. All of a sudden, you're like, no, you can't dominate me. You can't dominate me. I'm too I'll just do it too because I love you. I care about you. You're a person God created. Yeah, you need your, the load carried. I'll go too. It changes, it changes the nature of power. It changes the na- nature of everything. And, and you can't, but you can't go the second mile until you go the first. Rebecca had to be willing to take the jar off her shoulder and she was headed somewhere. And to take it and give him a glass of water. And while she was pouring the glass of water and giving him the glass of water, she was like, I'll take care of your camels too. You can't go the extra mile until you go the first. Next one is, is you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. We see in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Here's the truth, folks. All of the resources you ever accumulate, you're going to give all of it away. All of it. You're going to give it away either in your will, and you say, this is who gets it, or you're going to be generous with it while you're alive and be able to enjoy and care for people and and meet needs and be hands-on with it. But either way, you're, you're giving it all away. You might as well. Be active and loving and gracious and generous and making a kingdom difference while you're doing it. If we'll do it that way, then we actually are taking it with us. At that point, we're putting up treasures in heaven. It is making a difference if we'll do it that way. It changes everything. It goes on to say, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The next takeaway is that even the smallest acts of generosity make a difference. Again, Jesus speaking, Matthew 10, 42, he says, If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to the, <clears throat> one of these little ones because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. And sometimes we can despise the small acts. Um, I I'm shamefully have to say I've, I've, I've hurt my wife's feelings multiple times. Um, because she would have a birthday or an anniversary, and I'd want to have this plan to do some grandiose thing and then see that it wasn't going to work, and I wouldn't be able to get, do my big plan, and I end up like hardly doing anything at all because I didn't get to do my big thing. And, and discounted that I should have done something. I didn't see the power in the something. And, and so many times we can get so fixated on wanting to do the big stuff that we, we miss the power of the little stuff. And you can do the little stuff all the time. There's a pl- place where you can give somebody a cup of cold water in Jesus' name all the time. These are little moments of, of care and generosity that just trickle out and flow out as we go through life. And it makes a difference. God considers, the last one we want to look at is that God considers your generosity to others as a gift to him. 
Matthew 25, 40 says, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of these least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. You did it for me. Rebecca had no idea that she was shaping the, the nature of her future and her life and stepping into the lineage and the family tree of the Messiah. The Messiah had been promised to Abraham. He had one son named Isaac. That Messiah was coming through there, and she stepped into that with her incredible place of so generously serving and graciously loving. See, our bottom line today is that generosity is love meeting a need. It's love meeting a need. So easy to talk about love, 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 but at some point, it's got to do something. It's got to it's got to make a difference, and, and God is so for us that we can run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We can. We can jump out there. God so loved that he gave. He gave a son. Scriptures say if he's going to give a son, how would he not freely give us all things? So that lets us be bold, live bold lives, and be able to go the extra mile all the time, all the time. The best journeys in life are lived by the people who go the extra mile. They just are. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.